you people. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to Manfest 21. You can do better than that. How about this? He is the great I am. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and have a seat. Welcome to church, everybody. This is what we are all about right here, just lifting high the name of Jesus and Almighty God as our Father. What better Father to praise on Father's Day than Almighty God, the great I Am, our God, our living God and Savior. Wow, how awesome is that? Hey, thanks, bro. We've been celebrating all week long, it seems. I'm completely out of breath. I just like pick. We're down here, we were talking, we were like, you know what? What if this is the last time we got to sing to the Lord? Let's sing this song like the last time. And so my lungs are down here somewhere, and I'll recover them in just a little bit. But we have been celebrating all week long. We had spy camp here. We had uh, the elementary kids all here, about 100 elementary kids doing camp on campus this year. And um, how awesome, I mean, you know how camp is, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. They had activities all day long. I couldn't believe they were here from morning until like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but the kids were just wiped out, out of breath, ready to crash when they got home every night. And how fun is camp, you know? But more than just the fun that they were having and gathering together and doing some fun thing in the, in the, in the uh, summertime, the thing that excited me the most is that these children... Our children got to sit underneath the word of God all week long, and they got to hear about how to align their lives with what God wants for them, and uh, praise the Lord, we had a handful of kids, I don't know the number yet, but we had a handful of kids give their hearts to Jesus for the first time this week, and um, I'm so, are you excited about that? I mean, that's a very, that's what we celebrate, new life in Jesus Christ, which is a powerful thing. And um, hopefully they'll be here in the baptismal tank uh, soon. We'll be able to hear their stories and get them on their walk with the Lord, on their journey with the Lord. This is so exciting to be able to be part of that. Um, you are part of that, whether you were here volunteering. And by the way, those of you who helped and volunteered, we had people cooking food all day long. And I mean, just a lot of stuff going on. We just thank you for the investment that you make. You know, Matt's talking earlier as we were giving our offerings to the Lord. That's what our gifts go to. Our gifts go to impacting the next generation, especially for the, with the gospel and for the kingdom. And by the way, next week, I can't wait. Um, Jeremy Frazier is a young evangelist. He's going to be here. You might have saw his picture of his family. He's going to be here next week speaking to us, and we're going to have a baptismal service um, along with his message. So can't wait for you to hear what God has laid on his heart, but also to hear the stories of people who have given their heart to Jesus and now want to follow him all the days of, the, of their life. Listen, if you have a story in Jesus Christ, you know that you're saved and you've given your heart to Jesus and you have not been baptized the scripture says that your first step of obedience after salvation is baptism. And we'd love to talk to you about you being baptized. And so if you want to be baptized and you have a, a story of faith in Jesus Christ, um, just call the church office and we'll get you either in next week's baptism or two weeks from then when we have our next one. We'd love to hear your story of your walk with God. So it's Father's Day, right? And um, we're celebrating that. But we celebrate men on Father's Day, not just fathers, but we do celebrate fathers. Very important role. We're going to talk about that today. Um, and we had like man jokes that came in, like dad jokes. You know, we put out this thing and said, hey, send us your best dad joke. I don't know if that was a competition 
or what, but we had lots of you. Uh, some of you ladies joined in and put in your dad jokes. I don't know if you're trying to set up your men, you know, or, or whatever, but um, you want to hear a couple of them? <laughs> Why not, right? Um, why waste them? All right, here we go. Now, remember, these are man jokes. These are dad jokes. So I had to, like, send me some, the appropriate ones, you know, for church and everything. So here we go. So one dad says to his son, son, why are you so down? And the son says, I lost my job at the bank, and it was my first day. And the dad was like, what? Why? And the son said, I don't know, and I don't know why they got so upset. An old lady asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her over. You know what? You did the same thing the first service did. Some of you get it right away, and the rest of you, like five seconds later, go, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, here's one. What do you call a funny group of cows? A laughing stock. Yeah, I know. Okay, here's one. Here's a good one for church. Um, I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey. Then I turn myself around. <laughs> Brother. Uh, here's one that um, Robin said I can't tell. <laughs> you want to hear it? Oh, I'll just tell you later. I'll just, if you want to come hear it later, I'll tell you later. Can I, Jeff? Can I have your permission? All right, here we go. So, so a Catholic... You know it's coming. A Catholic, a Lutheran, a Presbyterian, and a Baptist went on a hunting trip, and they thought it would be a good idea to sit around the fire and confess their sins to each other. The Catholic confessed his sin of pride. He told how he would always brag about how much he gave to the charities. The Lutheran said his sin was gluttony. He would regularly drive to the fast food places late at night and order greasy burgers until he could eat no more. The Presbyterian said his sin was greed, and he confessed that he's never put more than a dollar in the offering plate. Finally, the Baptist spoke up, confessed his sin of gossip, and said, and I can't wait to get home. <laughs> all right, so much for the jokes, so much for the dad jokes. Let's get to the stuff we're all about here today. Um, you know, some of you may be asking and have asked, you know, what's this thing with man, man fest? What's this all about? You know, why all this stuff like this? Here's what it's all about. We celebrate in, we celebrate the masculinity of the male species of the species. Of, I didn't say that right. Let me start over. I'm broken, Mark. I'm a man. <laughs> we need to be celebrating masculinity because God celebrates masculinity. We celebrate fatherhood, but that's all part of masculinity. And there is an attack on the masculine male. There's an attack on the masculinity of men in our world today. And so we believe it's necessary for us to emphasize masculinity for God's men because it takes a real man to be a man of God. 
In fact, uh, one of our verses I'd like to, sh- to share with you as we get started is 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And this is what God says to his men. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Act like men. Hey, men, that's what God wants from you. Be strong and do everything in love. Now, of course, by love, and I'm not, we're not gonna lean into this part of it so much. We've done this so much in the past. But what we mean by do everything in love is not do everything that feels good. It doesn't mean do everything that makes you feel good about yourself. Don't do everything that makes other people think nice things about you. Do everything in love, which means that love is a self-sacrificing love. It's what we are supposed to follow, men. We're supposed to follow the pattern of Jesus Christ, where in Philippians chapter two, it says that we should do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than ourselves. We should be looking after the needs of the people around us, not just on our own um, desires and our own needs. So do everything, a real man does everything in love, sacrificing all of himself in order to meet the needs of his family and the needs of his wife and meet the needs of the church and meet the needs of outside the church and his neighbors and his co-workers and everyone in his world, because that's what Christians do. That's what Christian men do. Do everything in love. That's what it means to act like a man. This actually, this verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, is the clarion call to every Christian man alive on the planet today. The most critical need of the church today is men. Bold men, free men, courageous men, daring men. We need more explorers and we need more pioneers and We need more risk takers. And my friends, I want to say to you, we need more warriors. And this is not it. It's okay to clap. You see how bound up our world has us? This is not what God intends for his men. This is not how he put you together. This is not how he wired you. And yet this is symbolic. I'm really, I'm I'm struggling right now because um, this is not an attack on any individual. This is attack, this is an attack on the culture that, it, that our world is trying to normalize that this is what we need to turn men and our boys into. Don't prove me wrong, my friends. You can get rid of the picture. Prove me wrong. We're celebrating in our schools. We're celebrating on Nickelodeon We're children's, that's a children's channel. We're celebrating on all these different areas when kids, our children are really small in our culture that men, it's okay for men to dress up like women. It's okay to cross dress. It's okay to do those kinds of things. It's okay to act like a woman. No, it is not. God has made you a man. 
Be the man God made you to be. That's what the Bible is saying here. It doesn't say be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, act like however you want or act kind of like a man. It says no, act like a man because that's what God made you and be strong. Went to, made a huge mistake the other day and went shopping with Robin. I mean, I, don't, I like to be with Robin, but I don't like to shop. And we were at Macy's, and I took this picture in Macy's. And I thought, Man, what are we, what are we? I thought we were in the men's department. I thought maybe somehow we slipped and fell into the ladies' department. Look at these clothes. This is the display of, you want to be a real man at Macy's? This is what you wear. I'm not okay with that. This is what our world is doing to our men. And look at the dude in the middle. It, this is not the way you walk, guys. It's not, okay, I'm done with that picture, you guys. That is not what God wants for his men. I said, we're done with that picture. You can take it down. <laughs> I'm already in trouble, and I'm gonna get more in trouble as we go on this with some of you. I'm gonna probably make some of you gals mad today because what I'm gonna be attacking is what has become normal in our society and in our culture, where we are trying to... Take what God has intended for his young men and turn them into what God intended for his young women. A.W. Tozer writes about this. He said, the church must seek the coming again of men made of the stuff of which prophets and martyrs are made. Oh, that we would have men who knew how to stand up for God, stand for their families, speak the truth, and hold back the tide of the world and its system that's trying to come against all that God ha has made to be normal. Be on your guard, God says. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And do everything in love. There's so much research out there that shows that the women are rising up and taking the lead in almost everything to the shame of the man. You see it in everything. You see it advertised. They are trying to get the minds of our children to believe that the women are the strong and the women are the leaders and the women are the ones that everybody ought to look to and the men are just weak bozos, beer-drinking bozos, sitting on the couch, and the only thing they're good for is to go to work, make some money, and bring it home. In every other area, you guys don't matter. Man, Phil, you seem like really upset about this. You are right I'm upset about this. This is not what God intended. 
This is where I'm going to go off and get in trouble. But ladies, there are some things that you are responsible for and you are uniquely designed to do. But you were not called to lead. There are some areas that you can lead, but you, in the home and in the church, you are not called to lead. The men are called to lead. See? You see how quiet it is in here? I can see what, see what you don't get. Now, just hang on, okay? I'm not done offending you. <laughs> what you don't, what you, you don't see what I see. I'm up here. You see me? I see all of you. <laughs> and what's scaring me to death, you guys, is that the world is normalizing all of this that is not what the Bible teaches. Gals, it's not your fault. Well, maybe some of you it is. But the majority of you women are just doing what you need to do because the men aren't doing what they need to do and what they're uniquely gifted and called to do. Here we go. I'm just quoting you scripture. The man is the head of the home as Christ is the head of the church. His body that he gave himself for, that's the pattern. And too many men are not fulfilling the God-given role that they were designed to fulfill. Some ladies are not letting their men do that. But a lot of ladies are just doing it because the men aren't doing it. And it's got us completely upside down. <sighs> Tragically, we've seen this in the Christian home. Um, and the leading of the home in righteousness Statistics, you guys, I'm going off statistics. Statistics clearly show that it's the women who lead the way in church involvement for the family. It is the moms who are getting up every morning and going, come on, come on, Johnny, get up. It's time to go to church. I don't want to go to church. Get up. Come on, Johnny. It's time to go to church, but I don't want to give up. Johnny, get up. And she's talking to her husband the whole time. <laughs> Listen, we laugh about it, but it's true. It's true. Where are the men? Where are God's men who can't wait to get their families to church? Where are God's men who can't wait to sit underneath the word and have their families sit under the word and to gather with God's people? And on Saturday night, it's like, all right, everybody, we, tomorrow's the big day. Everybody get ready. Get your clothes laid out. Hey, babe, make sure we got a good breakfast scheduled for in the morning because we're going to get up and we're going to church. <laughs> Not happening. And the ladies are the ones who are taking the lead to make sure the family gets to church. And the dads are dragging their feet. It's not okay. That's not God's plan. That's not God's desire for his people. Statistics show that it's clearly the women who are leading their families in daily prayer and daily Bible study. But they're the ones saying to their kids, come on, you need to read your Bible. Come on, you need to get in the word. Where are the dads? 
Where are the men who are leading their home in this, where they're saying to their kids, listen, you cannot even know how to keep your heart from sin unless you read God's word because God says that if you hide his word in your heart, it will keep you from sin. You don't even know where your feet should walk on a daily basis unless you're reading the word because the Bible says that your word will be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Come on, kids, follow me. Look at my example and get in your word and be in prayer and follow the ways of God. It's the women who are taking the lead in that in the Christian home today. And that's not the intent. In, Philipp, in, in Ephesians chapter six, the Bible says husbands, or I'm sorry, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't make them angry in the way that you raise them up. Lead them and nurture them in the admonition and the teachings of the Lord. It doesn't say mothers there. It's the role of the father to train up their children along with the help of the mothers. Taking the lead, the men taking the lead, but clearly the statistics show otherwise. Statistics are clear that it is the women who are taking the hand of their young men and making an attempt to instill in them, and you know, ladies, you can you trust my heart? I want to ask you to trust my heart that this is all said in love and not in a condescending, condemning fashion. I'm just communicating to you what reality is these days. And you are trying to take hold of the hand of your young men and trying to instill in them that which you know very little about, masculinity. You don't understand men. Right, ladies? We don't understand you either. But you are trying to lead your sons into a place that you don't know anything about while the Christian dads who have what God wants and desires for their sons embedded into their DNA are taking a vacation from their role. And God's not okay with that. And his call to you is be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, and Act like a man. Lead your home. John Wesley said, give me 100 men who hate nothing but sin and love God with all their hearts and I will shake the world for Christ. Do we want to shake the world for Jesus Christ? It's going to take men standing up and being the men that God has called them to be. It's often been said that the best way to conquer a nation is to disarm its people. There's another way. It's to emasculate its warriors. Now, there's a big word with a lot of meaning around it. But I want to show you the definition of emasculation, which is, I believe, is happening in our world. And that is to deprive a man of his male role or identity. That's what emasculation is. And that's what's happening all in our world right now. We are trying to emasculate men in America today and all over the world. Another definition is to make something weaker or less effective in his role. Of course, this is what Satan is all about. Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus said. And Satan is trying to rob 
God's men of their masculine role in his kingdom. He's doing it through our culture, and he's trying to disarm the men of God of the one thing that makes them unique in the world, and that is their masculinity, being men and doing what men are called to do. As long as he can get us to stop fulfilling our role and to take a back seat to all the women in the world, well, then he wins. Because the men, when they need to be called up to action, aren't going to be ready. And if we aren't training our young men, then when our young men are of age and they're called up to action, they won't be ready, and we're going to lose an entire generation of godly men who can be strong and act like men and be men of faith. Spurgeon said this, while swords sleep in scabbards, no foe needs dread them. All my fellow soldiers, this is a great artifice of Satan and one of his craftiest devices to lull us all into a deep sleep. If he does that, he wins. The church will not be effective. You know, in the past, generationally, uh, boys found their masculine identity as they grew up with their fathers and in the company of manly men. Those were the days of old, but those days seem to be long gone. I remember those days. Kind of miss my dad today. Um, as I thought about this especially, because I remember... My dad's masculinity rubbed off on me as I sat next to him and we were together doing projects. I learned how to work on cars where when I was five, six, seven years old laying underneath the car and my job was to hold the flashlight. And you know, when you're six or seven years old, you're like, oh, uh. you know, and dad's like, son, get the light up here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I didn't realize back then is that as I'm holding the light, I have to watch where the light is. Well, when I'm watching where the light is is where he's working. Guess what I'm learning? I'm learning how to fix that part of the car. I'm learning how to do those kinds of things. I'm hunting with my dad. I'm fishing with my dad. I'm camping with my dad. I'm working in the yard with my dad. I'm observing my dad as he leads our home. I'm doing all these things with my dad, not with my mom. I never learned those things with mom. I learned, I knew how to iron my clothes when I went to college. I learned that from my mom. My dad never taught me that. I never saw him iron anything. <laughs> there were things my mom instilled in me that I needed to learn from my mom, but there were some things that I can only learn from my dad, and especially on how to be a man. My mom did not know how to teach me how to be a man. And we have lost the generational work of boys with their dads. It's changed now. From an early age, boys are separated from their fathers. Actually, we're taking our boys now whenever they're, they're preschool now, and we're putting them into a school with a bunch of women. Are you guys okay with me talking this way? I'm not downplaying women. We talk about women on Mother's Day. We're not talking to gals. I'm just showing you that this is the process that Satan is using to steal our men. 
They're not with their dads anymore. They're not learning at the feet of their dads anymore and manly men in the church. I remember my dad taking me to men's prayer meetings. And I used to think, oh, this is eternal. <laughs> and when you're a little kid and a guy prays for two minutes, it seems like he's prayed for an hour, you know? And so I'm like, and there's like eight of them. I used to sit there and think, okay, he took an hour, he took an hour, he took an hour. I'm gonna be here for eight hours. And we're, we would be on our knees and we'd be praying, but I would hear the men of God of the church pouring their hearts out to the Lord for the needs of the people in the church pouring their hearts out for the Lord, for the needs of the lost in their community. And I would hear the men cry out to God. And even when I didn't really want to be there, I was experiencing it, what men do in the kingdom. Went to men's retreats. Remember the men's retreats? We used to have a men's retreat. And I remember a couple of years, they were like, let's take our boys to the men's retreat. And oh, how glorious that was, you know? We stay up late and gig frogs out on the pond, and you know we would throw axes, and we would go to the shooting range and shoot things, and we didn't have any women there going, "Stop it, stop it! <laughs> You're gonna put your eye out! Stop playing with those sticks! Get out of the fire!" I mean, we could do everything. Our dads were like, "We don't care, do it." I mean, I lost my hearing because we were, those were the days you didn't use earplugs, you know, when you were shooting on the range. And so I'm out there shooting and some dude blows off some cannon next to my head and I lost my hearing for three days and I'm like, this is so awesome. <laughs> this is what being a man is all about. But it is what being a man is all about. You don't learn that from the moms. You learn that from the dads. But we have taken our kids right out of that. I read this about this. Young men are tossed into the washing machine of the world without markers or mentors. That is such a strong statement. Left to fend for themselves, they wander from job to job, drift in and out of relationships, trying to find their center in a woman or in another man and yet feel more and more disoriented. They are cut off from their masculinity, looking at it from outside, compulsively trying to find a way in. The pain of this estrangement drives them to porn or drugs or abusive behavior. And the tragedy in all of this is that masculinity continues to elude them. Now, we might think this is a real current problem, which it really is a current problem, but this has been going on forever. And I want you to go with me now to Psalm 12, 1, where we're going to read a foundational passage here about what we're talking about today. Now, this is the Psalm of David. He writes this when he is King David. Um, this is David, the shepherd boy David. This is David, the warrior. This is David, the giant slayer. Okay, this is the one who's writing this. And I just want you to hear the desperation in his voice as he writes. Psalm 12, 1 and 2. Help, O Lord. Help, O Lord. For godly men are fast disappearing. The faithful have banished from the earth. Everyone lies to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. There is no sincerity left. Help, O Lord. Do you hear the desperation in his voice? Doesn't he sound like he just wrote that yesterday? This is David. And if you would allow me, I want to take us back to a very familiar story when he was young. 
where I'm gonna help tie these two passages, this passage together, these two verses, with something that happened when he was young and what he experienced as a young man. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Of course, I'm talking about the story of David and Goliath. And here's what happened. The Philistines were a nation of people that were the arch enemies of the Israelites who were God's people. And they mustered up their army to stand against and go to battle with Saul and the nation of Israel. And so Saul, the king of Israel, countered that army by gathering the Israeli army in a place called the Valley of Elah. And so the way that you can actually go there today, and you can see this place, where there is a a small valley between two hillsides, and they will tell you the Philistines are on this hillside, and the Israelites are on this hillside. And so they they face each other on the two hillsides, and um, they face off against each other, and the Philistines had what was called a champion. His name was Goliath, a nine-foot giant who came out in front of the Philistine army, and he shouted this taunt to the Israeli people in verse 8 of 1 Samuel 17. He says, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves, but if I kill him, you will be our slaves. So what is the currency here? between these two armies, slavery. We're not talking just about the guys on the hillsides. If we win, the Philistines, this, this, this giant says to them, if I win, all of you and all of your wives and all of your children and everyone in your nation will become our slaves, we will own you. Of course, if you beat us, then we will be your slaves. Now what does that do to you men if you're standing there on a hillside and this giant comes down there and he says, all right, here's the deal. One guy come down here and whoever wins, wins the nation to be their slaves. And you know that on the line is the enslavement of your wife and your children. What are you going to do? Guys, what are you going to do? Men, men of God, what are you going to do? Yes. And if you're too afraid to do it yourself, because like, dude, he's nine feet tall. Look at his spear. The head of his spear weighed 15 pounds, the tip of his spear. This is what kind of dude was out there. And I'm telling you, (laughs) it'd be like, Mark, come on. Let's just figure this out. I'll take his knees out, you go for his top, and maybe if we can get him to the ground, maybe everyone will dogpile on him, we'll beat him to death, we'll cut off his head and then stand there with the blood all over us and say, come on, who's next? Come on, Philistines, we'll take you on. We're not letting you have our children and our wives. And yet in the face of the enemy, look what happens. Let's keep on reading. Send me a man. Now notice he says, don't send, send me a person. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, send me a he, she. <laughs> he doesn't cry out, hey, 
got any ganandromorphs in your presence? Send me one of those. Send me an androgynist. Look those up. <laughs> and he says, send me a man, and we will fight. And when Saul and the Israelites heard it, they fell all over themselves trying to decide who's going to go fight this guy because like, no, I'm going to go. Mark, you want to go with me? Um, and Mark's like, yeah, let's go. Come on. Let's take him on right now. And everybody's like getting in a fight on the Israeli side. Of, who's going to go take this dude on? That's what happened, right? Because that's what God's men do, right? But look what happened. Saul and the Israelites heard this and they were terrified and deeply shaken. Nobody did anything about it. You see, help, O oh Lord, the godly faithful men are vanishing. These are the men of Israel, of the living, true God, who has performed mighty miracles in their midst. Goliath comes out and he does this morning and evening, it says, for 40 days. And what are God's men doing the entire time, morning and evening, for 40 days? What are they doing? They're hiding, guys. They're hiding. Where were the men who would stand up and be a man and say, I will die before I'll surrender myself, my wife, my children, and the family of God to servitude to this enemy. Where were they? Where was the mighty army of the Lord, the only men on the battlefield who had the almighty living God on their side? The, the answer is they were shrinking in terror and hiding from the enemy until a young boy named David shows up, the youngest of eight brothers. If you go to Israel, you'll see the Valley of Elah. You got the two hillsides. There's a brook right here, which is where David got his stones. They know all this over there. It's really cool. And then you can look way down the way, and you see this little town of Bethlehem, way in the distance, where David grew up. And his dad said, hey, son, go down there. They're fighting down there. And go find out how the guys are doing and come back and give me a report. David shows up, and when he shows up, it just so happens to be at the time when Goliath comes out, does his daily taunt, and he responds. I want you to hear this. David responds like God created him to respond. He responds like a man, and he's a boy. He didn't respond like what he was seeing before his very eyes where all the mighty warriors of Israel were running in fear. And in verse 26 of 1 Samuel 17, David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? This young boy who had built into him, created in him what every one of us has created in us. You young men have this been created in you. To stand for right and to stand for God and to stand for your family 
And whenever he's being challenged by this Philistine saying the same thing he's been saying for 40 days, day and night, David's response is like what the other men should have responded. Who does he think he is? I need you to hear this. You would think that all the men of Israel would get some courage at that point, right? And say, my goodness, if this young David has this kind of strength and faith in his God, where's ours? And you would think they'd be like convicted about that and be like, yeah, man, I ought to be the one saying that, responding like that. And instead, his wussified brother Eliab, his older brother Eliab, shames him for saying that. And says, who do you think you are? You're so conceited, you're so full of yourself. Get back home, go back to Bethlehem. That's how the older men who were not doing what God wanted them to do and not acting like God has created them to act in the middle of that in the face of the enemy is shaming the young boy who was just doing what had been embedded in him to do. How many times has that happened in the church where you got some young man who's coming up and he's like, I want to go for Jesus. I want to give my life to God. And it's like, hang on, why don't you just go home? You're too full of yourself. No, guys, I can do it. We can do it. No, you just, you, you don't understand. You're too young. You know, King Saul heard about that. He heard about his, his response. And so King Saul calls him into his office. And he's sitting down and saying, David, what, what did I hear about you? Man, and this is what David says to King Saul. King, look at verse 32. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. See, what he saw is he saw all the men losing heart. Don't let anyone lose heart about this Philistine. I, your servant, will go and fight him. And, I mean, that's some zeal right there. I'll go. I'll go take him on. And instead of celebrating that, Saul says, whoa, 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 David, you're not ready. Let me tell you something. The Bible says don't let anyone despise your youth. Be an example, you young men. Be an example of all the believers in your love and in your conduct. That's what God expects from you. That's what God's built into you, you young men in the, in the room. You can rise up and you can lead, but Saul says, no, you're not ready. And so he like says, here, put on my armor before you go. So he puts on this armor and he's like walking around. He goes, I can't wear this stuff. I don't need this. He throws it off and he goes, all I need is what God has given me. All I need is my sling and a couple of stones. God helped me when I, a bear came one time and he tried to take on my sheep and I said, no. And God helped me slay the bear. Another time a lion came and tried to take my sheep and I said, no, it's not gonna happen. And God gave me the strength to slay the lion. I'll slay this Philistine. God will help me. He was being a man, standing up. Where were all the other men? They were ridiculing him and they were speaking down to him like, you're not ready. <sighs> Hear me, guys. Masculinity is embedded in the heart of every young boy, but it has to be birthed by the strong, calloused hands of a fully mature man, not his mom, or not the other women in the church. They can help with all, but that's not their role. And certainly we don't need to be squelching it in the day of need. I could just hear the voice of the men of old like Charles Spurgeon who says, oh, give us back the glorious days when the men of the church were a pillar of fire 
And when every young man was a new coal added to the glowing mass, let our foes grow angry if we may grow zealous. Can you hear it in the voice of Spurgeon like you hear it in the voice of David? Help, O Lord, for the godly men are fast disappearing and the faithful have vanished from the earth. I want to just submit to you today this question, who will be the one who will stand up and say, I'll make sure that the godly and the faithful do not disappear and do not vanish from the earth? You do know it only takes one man for the vanishing to not happen. And if one man will stand and say, I will be the man to make sure that the godly faithful men do not vanish from the earth, then we will save it, the vanishing from happening for a generation. But listen to me, my brothers. If there are godly faithful men who will stand fast and teach their sons to be godly faithful men, who will stand fast, who will teach their sons to be godly faithful men and will stand fast, then we will make sure that the godly faithful men do not vanish, do not disappear for generations to come. But it starts with you and me, my brothers, to be the ones who will say, we will stand. We will be what God has called men to be. Ronald Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. How true is that today? But the same sentiment is true of godliness and faithfulness. And this is a heartbreaking verse in Judges 2.10, where it said of the people of Israel that after the generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. It only took one generation and they didn't even remember that there was a God. The only way that this takes place is if one generation of vanishing dads don't stand up. This happened to Israel because God's men stopped being God's men. It happened back then when, with Goliath. You could see it happening. They didn't trust in their great and mighty God. They cowered in the shadows. I want to close with this, okay? I'll draw it to a close. Can I speak to you women in the room? Give me permission to do that. Stop emasculating our young men. Stop depriving your young men of his male role and identity. In your desire to protect, and that is your role, your role is to nurture and to protect, but in your desire to protect, you're only making him weaker and less effective in some of the ways that you're handling this. Stop reprimanding your husbands for trying to turn your sons into the men that God created them to be. Stop with the bike helmets. (laughs) 
<laughs> See, some of you are already, I've already got the finger going. <laughs> if he falls off his trike, he's not going to die if he doesn't have his helmet on. Can we stop with the elbow pads and the knee pads? I know you want to protect, and I know you're doing the best you know how, but um, here's the problem. You know, it's springtime, and we've got baby chicks being hatched, you know, at every level, and um, you do know that the mother, you know, she's like incubating those, those eggs, and you sit on that egg, and all of a sudden you start to feel movement, and she backs up, and she looks, and goes, the babies are on their way. They're coming, and so the, you see this little beak start to peck through the shell, right? Can I just tell you that if the mom goes, oh! Johnny's coming into the world. But look, he looks cramped in there. Oh, he looks like he's going to hurt his beak if he keeps trying. That, that, that sharp shard there of that shell is going to dig into his eye and poke his eye out. I got to help him. If she starts to peck at that egg and she opens that egg, did you know that her baby will die? In fact, if you try to do that with a little baby chick and you go, oh, look, they're trying to get out, let me help, and you break the egg open, they'll likely bleed to death. That baby chick has to peck its way out. It's got to do the work. It's got to make its way out of the shell into the world. That's the process. And your young men have a process that they've got to go through, and I know you love them, and I know they're your little baby boy, and you don't want them to get hurt and scrape their knees. Listen to me. The only way your boys will have the knees that it will take to do the work on their knees for the kingdom of heaven in prayer to their God is if they've scraped them up and they've got scars on them all the time. Otherwise, they're gonna be on their knees going, oh, this is hard, this is uncomfortable, I don't wanna pray. <laughs> My mom never let me be uncomfortable. Are you okay? All right. You know, mother eagles are known. Now they build these nests up on the sides of the cliffs. And they're known to get to a point where they, their babies hatch and they're in the nest and everything. And the mom just goes, <laughs> it's like, fly or die. <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than that. But the point is, mom's not going, the babies are like getting big and they're like getting ready to fly and they're like, get me out of here, get me out of here. And the mom's going, no, no, it's a dangerous world out there. You need to stay here till you're 35. <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be like, fly, baby, fly. God has some great heights for you. Get out there. I know you're going to fall. You're going to probably smack into that tree a couple of times so you get your wings right. But that's okay. You'll be fine. God's designed you for that. I'm trying, Phil. I'm doing my best. I know. Bless your heart. But you don't understand masculinity, ladies. You don't understand what you're doing what you do best. They need to learn how to do what they do best. Let them use a chainsaw. Yeah, the guys are like, ha, 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 ha. And the women are like, No! No way! He'll hurt himself. I read in the internet that somebody cut their finger off with that saw. Yeah. It happens. 
And this is what often happens. You gotta train your kid. You gotta teach them the right way. You gotta teach them the respect for that machine. You gotta teach them how to do it. But here's what, here's what happens. I mean, a lot of times we get, how many of you think that this, this is like, this is, the, this is the weirdest thing in the world. It is a battery-powered chainsaw. It works. How many of you think that this can cut this log? Okay, it totally can. And if you teach your son to use this, he'll be able to cut this log, right? So that's awesome, okay? So here we go. You ready? Everybody ready? Want me to do it? All right, here we go. He just worked at it. You can teach him how to do this all day long. How many of you proud of me right now? You're proud of me right now? I didn't cut anything off. It worked just fine. The machine worked just fine. Let me ask you a question. You teach your son to use this, he's going to be able to do this. But what you don't realize, especially you women in the room, what you don't realize is that God has this in mind for your son. He has this size job for your son to do in the kingdom, and these are getting bigger and bigger as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ. But you've only equipped your son to do this. How's he going to handle that? Well, he can use his battery-operated chainsaw. Of course he can. I taught him how to use it. How many of you think this can do this? Really? Come on. Watch, I'll show you. Oh, hang on. Let me start. Let me let me start. Let me start. Let me start over. I can I can do it, mom. I can do it. Be careful, son. Be careful. You're going to hurt yourself. Don't mess with it. Mom, get out of here. I can do it. I can. Your son is going to be so frustrated because you've only equipped him to do this when the reality is, in order to do a job like this, you've got to be able to do this. Yeah. You guys need to watch out right down here. what I'm talking about. This is the God-sized stuff that God has in store for your young men. And we need to be everything and do everything we can, guys, to train up our young men to do this. Ladies, join us. Don't fight us on this. Join and support our godly, faithful men who are desperately hanging on in this vanishing culture to keep godly masculinity alive. I talk to you dads without sons for a second or 
men without children. Here's the word of the Lord for you today. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong and do everything in love. Look for the boys of the church and look for ways to contribute to their masculinity. But I don't have a son. I've been wanting a son my whole life and I've never had a son. Okay, I'm really sorry. I really am. I know your heart's desire. But act like a man and go get some young boys and build into them. I never had children. God never gave me children. I know. I'm sorry. I really am. But what men do, because it's been built into you, you take what God gives you, but then you invest everywhere else. I, I, he hates me for me to say this. I'm going to use a guy. His name's Rob Cutting. He's in our church. He doesn't have a son. He would love to have a son. Rob's a real man's kind of man. And so instead of sitting around whining about the fact that he doesn't have a son, he goes, you know what? Where can I invest myself and all these traits that I have, and how can I invest in the young men of the church? And so he signed up to be a small group leader in our middle school boys. And you know what Rob does? He takes them. I watch, I, I see these pictures and stuff that he takes these boys on these crazy adventures, doing dangerous things without their mommies. <laughs> and he actually says to their dads, hey, you guys want, you guys want to come on? Let's go. Let's go out there and do some wild, crazy stuff with these boys. And he's teaching them at middle school. And he's investing himself in them. That's what we need more of. Men who will invest in the younger men of our church and the church of Jesus Christ. Here's another thing. We need godly, faithful men to invade, not just the, the boy, young boys of the church, but to invade our culture. To go outside the walls of the church and volunteer and invest themselves in organizations like The Crossing and Lifeline and the Career Center and Junior Achievement and 4-H, and we could just keep on going because there are young men out there that need what you have to offer them because you are a strong man of God, and you know how to act like a man, and you know what God requires of men, and you know the secret to eternal life, and you could take it and invest it into those young boys who do not have dads and a culture. It's a, it's a culture out there that thinks that they're the enemy. Any grandpas in the building? Listen, anyone afraid for their grandsons right now? Like me? Here's the message for you. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And do everything in love. What are you doing, grandpas? to save your grandsons from the culture that is desperately trying to steal their masculinity. Dads, pull grandpa in. Grandpas, insert yourself into the process. Even if you blew it with your own son, it's never too late to learn. It's never too late to change. In fact, go to your own son and say, son, I'm sorry, I really blew it. Will you give me another chance? Until I'm dead, I'm gonna take a stand for Jesus Christ. I'm gonna be the man he's called me to be and I wanna train up you and my grandsons to be those kinds of men. Will you give me another chance? The question today is, will you stand? Will you stand?
today our focus is all about empowering the next generation, a transference of godly male leadership and masculinity into our sons and our grandsons. And you might ask, well, what does that look like? And I would read you a verse like Micah 6.8 that says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Here's what it is. You guys want to know what it means to be a real man of God? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That's what it looks like to be a man. Well, aren't you going to tell us how? Yeah, exactly. We're going to tell you how. In fact, it's so important to us to tell you men how to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God that we're going to spend the entire summer, the entire rest of the summer, teaching you how to do that every Sunday morning in our new series we have coming out of the book of Proverbs where we're all going to learn what God expects and wants from his young men and his men and his ladies. That's what we're going to do. So today's question is, will you stand? Will you make the commitment today to do whatever it takes to be the man God has called you to be, to live it out loud before your children and your wife and your family and your community and pass it on to what it means to be a real man and take your place among the warriors like these. I'm gonna show you this picture. This was taken just yesterday morning. And some of you are like, hey, didn't we have a thing called the Mighty 300? Whatever happened to that? The Mighty 300, they're still there. And they're, they're ready to be called up at any time we need it. But in every army, there is a group of special forces and this is one of those groups. These men were on their faces yesterday morning praying for you men today. They actually have, have given themselves a name called Momentum, which means motivating ordinary men toward the ultimate mission. And these guys are leading the way and taking the stand, and they have a heart. Will you be men like that? Will you take a stand for the Lord? Will you lead well the way God has designed you to lead? That's the challenge. We're going to teach you how to do that over the next several weeks. I'd like all the young men, 18, below 18 years old, to stand, please. All the young men below 18 years old to stand. And we're just going to, every, every one of you, if you're under 18, stand up. Come on. Every single one of you. You need to listen to me, guys. We're here for you, and we're counting on you. God has amazing things in store for you. He's going to use you in power. He has this kind of assignments for you. And you're going to be able to do that in no sweat. But these are the things that God really wants you to do for him. And it's only going to get worse in our world. And that's why we need you to be just like you are today to say, I'm going to take a stand. I'm not letting anybody... Like, knock me down. I'm going to take a stand and do everything I can because I am a child of God. I have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me, and I can do awesome David-sized things and take on the giants of the world. The, the question is, will you guys take the stand? You're standing right now, but will you do it in your heart and say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus, and I'm going to give my life to Jesus. The rest of you men, look at what we have. We have a responsibility to these young men to live out masculine Christianity before our young men, to take them along our path with us and show them how to live. Will you stand, men?
Will you stand now? Let's all stand. Come on. Because I want to end with this prayer over everyone today, all of you men and young men. You will never be a warrior if you never enter the dust clouds where garments are rolled in blood. You will never become a veteran if you do not fight through the long campaign. May your captain save you from the poison of inglorious ease. You must fight in order that you may acquire the character which inspires others with confidence in you and thus fits you to lead your comrades to the fray. Oh, that we may have here an abundance of the young men of the heavenly family who will defend the church against worldliness and error, defend the weaker ones from the wolves that prowl around, and guard the feeble against the many deceivers that waylay the church of God. As you love the Lord, I charge you, grow in grace and be strong, for we have need of you just now. Oh, my brethren, take hold on sword and buckler. Watch ye and stand fast. Let's respond to the Lord with this. I'll stand with arms high and heart unbended in all of the one who gave it all. So I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrender all. I am his your you. Thank you for your patience with this today. Let's go out and change the world, men.
And ladies, help your men do that. Let's all go out and change the world and turn it upside down for Jesus Christ in the way that he desires for all of us. God bless you as you go. Happy Father's Day, men. Thank you for joining our worship service today. Our prayer is that God is using the worship and the message to inspire you to love him, love people, and influence the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or would like somebody to pray with you, you can let us know by clicking the connection card link. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app where we post upcoming events and announcements, and you can share this week's message with a friend. You can also check out our website at fbcelkart.org to stay connected with us. God bless, have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.